0: Welcome to the Northeast Community Church Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to know more about us, visit us on the web at necommunity.church.
1: We've been in the middle of a series, and we're going to keep on talking about this for the rest of this month, uh, about discipling the next generation. And last week we had a sermon that we entitled Losing Your Marbles, where we talked about spending time with the next generation of believers. And so today we're going to follow that up. And today we're going to talk from the second mile, the second mile. You see, I believe, and we've talked about this in the years, in the weeks past, that uh, students and young adults and children are the most important thing that we could be putting our resources and polling our resources towards next generation of believers. And that's why we spend a lot of money uh, here at this church. We want to put our money where our mouth is on next generation ministry. We want to poll our resources. We want to poll our time. We want to poll our attention to our students, our kids and our young adults. Because, listen, listen, uh, I hate to sound morbid on Mother's Day, but we ain't going to be here forever. And we need to be passing the legacy on to our children. God was big about that in the Bible. God talked about passing his word on to the next generation and the next generation. And you, as we know that we live in a world that opposes God. And one of the reasons that we live in a world that opposes God is because, you know, people are just going to oppose God. Uh, But the other part of it is Christians haven't been doing what Christians should have been doing. And a lot of the things that have been happening with our own children, not people who have no context of Christ, or no understanding of Christ, but with our own children, the children growing up in our own backyards, the children that sleep six uh six to ten feet away from us every night, they are walking away from the faith at great, great lengths and in, and in great numbers, and we can't uh stop the hemorrhaging. And if we're not careful here in the West, we will be we will go the way of Europe. Where churches, these great big churches, that were big, big churches and people, and hopefully they were vibrant in the day, and now there are malls and, and movie theaters and, and, and they live in, this, in, in, in this, this culture that's so post-Christian that is now pre-Christian. And if you haven't known it or not, the, regardless of how you think our country was founded and, and, and the religious freedoms that were afforded us early on, we are now in a post-Christian culture. It, it, just, it, it just is what it is. And Christians are asleep at the will. And the challenge is, listen, listen, if you believe like I believe, we have truth. We have the truth of God. We have the word of God. We have the way of God. And we're just sitting on it. We come to these buildings and we sit here and we sing. We exalt thee and we go out there and we exalt ourselves. We go out there and we just do whatever we want to do. But we say God is Lord of our lives. And so I think today we're going to talk from this idea of the second mile, and that second mile is, is, is found in the Sermon on the Mount. The concept of the second mile is found in the Sermon on the Mount. And so between uh, Matthew chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 7, uh, Jesus gives one of the most profound, most of, one of the most provocative sermons you'll ever hear. If I were just to just sit here and read it, we could just take an offering and go home, but we don't take offering here, so whatever. And he was coming against the human concept or the human ideology of what we should be doing. And Jesus came and said, no, 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 let me turn that on his head. He gave us a Sermon on the Mount, and that's where we get this thing uh, of the second mile. And it causes us to be countercultural. And we're talking, he's saying, what, what does it have to do with us pointing to the next generation? Listen, the next generation needs to see us be second mile Christians. That we don't do just what we or required to do, we go the extra mile. That we serve them and we serve our culture. Our kids need to see us serving. Our kids need to see us living out what we say we believe. And some of y'all grew up in the church, and I'm not going to put none of y'all parents on blast, especially Mama them on Mama's Day, but you saw Mama them act a certain way at church, and then they got in the car, and somebody cut them off in traffic, And mama lost all her religion. (laughs) Or when you got home after church and Sunday meals. Anybody had Sunday meals growing up? I didn't have none. Good for y'all. I don't feel bitter about that at all. (laughs) But Sunday meals and people coming over and mama gossiping before they get here. And daddy on the back porch indulging a little bit, having a little a Sunday drink, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having a little drink every once in a while, but Daddy having a little bit too much of that drink on Sunday morning. And then you have your Sunday meal, and it's all cordial and family members and, hey, how you doing? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. soon as shut the door, I don't know why I keep doing this. And then the gossip ensues, and then the next day, the cheating and the, and the backbiting and the lying and the, and, and the arguing and the fighting. And the kids are just growing up going, why do I even go to church and spend six, seven, eight hours? I grew up in one of them. Well, I didn't grow up in the church. But when I did go, that's why I didn't go back again because it was too long. <laughs> but why am I spending my time doing this? Because I'm sure I could be home watching Mighty Morphin Power Rangers or something. I don't know what I could be watching. And so the kids are seeing us say one thing and act another way. And I believe in the Greek that's called hypocritos. I don't know what's called in the Greek. I just. <laughs> See, I made you think I was smart. It's hypocritical. And we know we hypocritical. And we know we're not living according to what God is calling us to do. And we know we're not going to the second mile, but we keep bringing our kids because somehow, way, maybe our kids are getting through osmosis. And they go back there and they get a great Sunday school lesson. And they're like, oh, my goodness. And, and, and they come to teens on 5, uh, 530 on Sunday nights. and They get a good word. And, and then they come home and they're right back in the world that they were in before. And before you know it, by the time they're 18, they're tired. They go up to college and this professor tells them that God ain't real. And they be like, you know what? I've never really seen evidence of God really being real in my heart, and in my life, except we showed up on Sundays. And I think God is calling us to live in that second mile. And so the beautiful thing about the Sermon on the Mount, God didn't tell us so much how to interact with him as he taught us how to interact with one another. And we, we say this all the time that through proxy, the way that I treat you is my representation of how I'm supposed to think about God. God said, how can you say you love me who you can't see, but you got a brother right there, right there in front of you. And I know he has faults and I know he has shortcomings because you have them too if you ever look in the mirror. But I'm just trying to tell you that if you just love him, then it's representative of how you say you love me. But God, they don't believe like I believe.
2: God, they sin different than I sin. And our kids are watching. They're watching.
1: And so the best thing we can do for our kids, in light of blues and our marbles, is teaching them how to be second-mile Christians. Listen, here's a beautiful thing. I'm gonna get to the scripture in a minute. I'm gonna get to the scripture right now. Okay, wait a minute. Matthew 5.
2: Matthew 5.
1: This is in the midst of the Sermon on the Mount, just like I said. And Jesus is teaching us how to rearrange our heart priorities. And he's teaching us how not to retaliate. And teaching us how to love our enemies. And to teach us how to live in the context of marriage. And to teach us how to be salt and light in the world. And so he gets to this part, this juncture in Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. You know, I gotta take my glass off to read. Says, you have heard That it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on your right cheek, good God, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him take your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who will borrow from you. And so culturally, we might not be able to grasp the gravity of what Jesus is saying right here. But so when Jesus talks about an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, this is an Old Testament concept. This is this thing where. God put something in place where there was this law of reciprocity where if you come and I smack you and, 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 and your eye fell out. I don't know. You have to slap somebody really hard to make their eyeball fall out. And their eyeball fall out. Listen. God wasn't saying go and smack them and take their eye, too. He said you would be just if you did that because it's an eye for an eye. But the other side of the flip side of it was this. Listen, listen, you can't take both their eyes. Because that's how we do things. You smack my eye, I'm going to take two of your eyes. You hear me in my mouth, my tooth fall out, I'm knocking all yours out. Right? It was a law of reciprocity. Listen, listen, listen. If I'm driving down the street and I hit your donkey... You can't come and take five of my donkeys. Some of my donkey was worth more than, you know. This, this was what the, He was teaching us how to be just, but he wasn't saying that you necessarily should go to your mouth. And so Jesus wasn't coming against the law. Jesus just said, listen, y'all know how Jesus did things. Jesus elevated things. Jesus said, listen, I'm telling you, don't even sweat it. I'm telling you, if somebody goes to court with you and they take your tunic and see, and by law, there was another law. If they take your tunic, they can't take your undercoat as well, have you out there naked. But Jesus said, if they want to come from give it to them." We don't live our lives like this as Christians. Now, I'm going to repay evil for evil. I'm going to do to you what you did to me and worse. And that's why Jesus was saying, listen, listen, listen. And here's the concept. Here's the principle here. There are all these laws that have been put in place to govern our lives. And Jesus is saying, listen, listen, listen. Don't just go by the law. Exceed it. Y'all looking at me like I'm stupid, like I'm making this stuff up. Jesus said, listen, you have heard it said, you can't even, you you, you shouldn't lust after a woman or or you shouldn't lay with another man's wife, right? You shouldn't commit adultery. But check this out. He said, don't even look at her with lust in your heart. See, the law was don't do the deed. Jesus says, don't even think about doing it. And that's where we grow. That's where Christianity takes off in the second mile. The law was given to me the first mile. Watch this. He said, if a if a person forces you to go a mile, another law was in place. And I got this has got to be hard. I'm gonna put this on. I hope I don't tear my microphone off. I do stuff like that sometimes. Jesus said, It is a backpack today, okay? Next generation. I'll talk too much. I'm playing. <laughs> Um. Jesus. Listen, we act like Jesus was just walking around in a free society like we walk around today. Jesus was a Jew that was occupied by the Romans. It was their land. It wasn't like they were taken away from their land and they were just in somebody else's land. It was their land. The Romans took over and then the Romans occupied. And so the Jews felt some kind of way about that. Probably some how some of us feel about the government sometimes. And the Jews were angry. And we act like the Jews were just these docile people, like they never, they never went to war. Like, Have y'all ever heard of King David? And even at the time of Jesus, there was these open rebellions that were going, but the Romans were just too strong. And so what would happen is, 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 is the Jews would rise up and they had these Maccabean revolts. And they had all these different revolts and all these Essenes and all these different groups, uh, even the people who were crucified next to Jesus. The, our translation is robber, but, but, but probably more accurate, they, 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 they were these raiders. They would go in and they would try and overthrow Rome. Barabbas was one of these type of people. And so Jesus grew up and he came up in this culture, in this society, where he would be walking down the street as a child and he would see Jews crucified on the side of the road. And so when Jesus is talking about the enemy, he's not just talking about, you know, the dude who, two cubicles down who never changes the coffee filter. See, when we read the Bible, we need to read it from this historical, grammatical, and also this emotional thing that's going on like Jesus was a part of an oppressed people group and the Roman soldier could come up and no matter what you're doing he could say hey I'm going up the street take my bag and carry it a mile for me it was a law, and if you didn't do it you will be flawed and that's what it talks about in verse 41 it says if someone forces you to go a mile with them go another mile now here's the thing It didn't matter what you were doing. It didn't matter if it was a mile outside of your way. And so we're talking about an extra mile, but we might be actually talking about two extra miles. Right? Because you got to go there, then you got to get back to where you were going. What if you were traveling? You've been traveling all day long. You almost to where you want to be. And somebody said, hey,
2: take my bag. See, we got a problem.
1: My feet hurt. These air Moseses don't have the cushion. <laughs> My toes hurting. I'm tired. My kid's been in the back. You know, the donkey just griping all day long. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And you rolling up, talking about put this in this bag. Weighed about sixty pounds. Don't this this one don't weigh sixty pounds. It's just pillows in there. <laughs> But you down, you packing your stuff. You gotta pack faith stuff, and you almost where you were wanting to be, and now you have to go the extra mile.
2: This is counterintuitive to the human mind. What Jesus is telling us, he
1: says, you have to adapt
2: a lifestyle of service.
1: Why do I, I use this illustration all the time? But it's perfect, and so I'm not gonna change it. Why do you go to Chick-fil-A? The sandwiches
2: are good. But when you pull up to the thing, they
1: say, hey, welcome to Chick-fil-A. How may I serve you? You know what? I was just going to buy one sandwich. But I think I'm a little extra hungry right now since you're just serving people. And give me one of them frosted lemonades, too, because them things is a bomb. It's a whole different story when you go to Waterburger. burger. Anybody went to the Water Burger? I ain't going to tell y'all where it it's over there, though. <laughs> they give you your stuff. It's not even like I, I order, I order the, I'm so rabbit-trailing right now. I order the sandwich with the avocado on there. It's like avocado stuff is hanging all out the bag. You like, I just got messy trying to eat this. Chick-fil-A, they wrap it all up. It's all nice, and, and the food just looks fresh. Right, the lettuce just looks fresh. You go to waterburger, Whataburger, it looks like it's been there for like three, four weeks. The dude come to the window, hi. (laughs) Hey, man. (laughs) What was your order again? Go to second mile. The first mile was required. The first mile was a law. And listen, we want pats on the back for doing what we're supposed to be doing. And our kids are watching. Well, you know, I went on, you know, the Lord said I need to go, on, you know, spend time with Him. So I prayed today. I did five minutes with the Lord, and we want to pat on the back. I spent five minutes with. Him. And listen, pat yourself on the back. If, that, if, you, if you weren't doing no minutes and you're doing five minutes, good for you. You went the second mile in your little world, okay? But here's the thing we don't grow, we're just doing what we're supposed to be what reward is it for you to do what you're supposed to be doing? We do that with our kids too, and they—they, they, our kids see through it. Listen, I put a roof over your head, and 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 I do it all the time. It's 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 fun. It's fun. That Xbox you got that you plan and it, listen, listen, I pay the bill on that. So you get up and and the kids like, but you, the daddy?"
2: I know in our mind they want to say, "You want a cookie?"
1: What, you, what, what I'm supposed to do with that? I, I, and, and, and don't let your kid say, "I didn't ask to be born." Well, we can make we can make adjustments. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm rabbit trolling again. Okay, here we go. But we want this reward for doing. That first mile, for coming up to that first mile. And I can only imagine as as, 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 as as these poor Jewish people are walking behind this Roman soldier, this enemy who has who has listened listen listen did their not only them wrong, their people wrong. And, they, and, and, and maybe they had an uncle or an auntie who uh was crucified by a Roman. And you walking behind them.
2: Soon do I get to this mile marker number two? Drop this bag, I'm gonna go the other way. Jesus in the head. Don't just go one mile or
1: two. I believe Jesus would tell us if he would expound upon this, if he would exegete ex- his own uh, sermon a little deeper, he would say, don't gripe and complain while you're doing it. Have compassion for that person that you're walking behind, that you're carrying their burden. See, up until this point, Christianity or following Jesus wasn't so hard. Right, he just walked up on a couple of dudes. It was hard, you know. Hey, drop, drop, drop what you're doing. Follow me. Right, He performing miracles. Poof, poof, poof. <laughs> Healed. He's doing all this stuff. It's like, oh, I can follow a man like that. He's feeding us. He's doing all this stuff. But now he's sitting on the Sermon of Mount. He's saying, listen, listen, listen. It's to get hard. He said, if any man will come after me, guess what you need to do. You must first deny yourself. Then take up your cross, your method of execution so that you can really crucify yourself. And follow me. And the challenge right now in our culture and in our day is
0: we're not following Jesus.
1: We're supposed to follow Jesus. Our tears are walking away in a rapid rate because we're not following Jesus. And so God is telling us, I believe he's telling us as a church, listen, we need to start living in the second mile.
2: Some of you in your mind
1: right now, you saying, I go two, but I ain't going three. Listen, you missed the point.
2: God is calling us to be second mile Christians. So what's the second mile in your faith? Where's God stretching you? Where's God growing you? I can remember. Even those pillows getting heavy. I can remember as a young adult
1: being a part of a church and showing up to a uh, a meeting just to find out what it would look like to work with teenagers. I was twenty-something. I wasn't quite thirty yet. I don't remember how old I was. My wife probably remembers. It
2: was September fourteenth. He was wearing a blue shirt, and
1: it was one of them. I was twenty-something. Thank you. Like I said, I was 24. <laughs> what color shirt was I wearing? Thank you. I was wearing a purple shirt.
2: It's crazy, I know. And I just showed up because I knew I needed to
1: be doing something. It was a room full of people. It was it was probably about 12, 13-ish in this room. Oh,
2: Jesus.
1: <laughs> and as we're going around the room, the senior pastor is going, okay, he's talking. He's trying to get everybody's heart why they're there at the meeting. And, and me and my wife, we were just kind of like, listen, we have kids. Eventually, they're going to be teenagers, and so we want to have something, you know, because, listen, if we're in this, we're in this. If we're going to be living for the Lord, we're going to be living for the Lord. And so we were like, whatever God wants us to do, we want to do. And, let's, and mind you, there are other people in the room who had been youth pastors before. This was no youth ministry yet; it was an informational meeting. They've been youth pastors before, and and he's going around the room and he's hit hitting vision and stuff like that. And he finally just turns to me and my wife and go, "You guys are the new leaders." Handed the keys to some twenty-four year olds. Ooh, Lord Jesus. Yeah. I'm going to hand you the mic in a minute. She was 23. And there's nothing as intimidating as that moment that you realize that you're walking into the second mile. It happened just that quick. I've been doing what I was supposed to be doing. I've been coming to church. uh, I've been volunteering in certain areas. But now it's like, okay, God, you're calling me to a different space. And now I'm walking up on this thing. And now I'm being called on, God, I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do. I'm going to do it, Lord. And then God was like, okay, it's you. And the immediate response around the room.
2: How come he gets to be the leader?
1: You ain't never seen a snare or a sneer from somebody who God had told that they were supposed to be the next you pastor. And you were just told that you'd be a you pastor. Now you signed up with saying, I want to go and get some information. There were people in the room who had kids older than us. Like I got scars on you. How you gonna get the? You in the second mile now, baby. So why do I tell that story? I tell that story because listen, listen. Unless someone had pushed me into the second
2: mile, I would never got there. And I believe
1: right now God is pushing some of us into the second mile because that's where we grow. That's where we stretch. That's where that's when the knees really start hurting. Not for me. Miles start hurting right before the second mile. But I'm just saying. That's where that's where faith is grown in the second mile. It don't take no faith to do what you know you're supposed to do. But when God is asking you to exceed that, when God's asking you to lay down your life for a student that you don't even know. We joke about this in the. I told you guys last week that we do the Orange Curriculum, and uh, we go to this Orange Conference every year. And it is so funny; it is hilarious that at the end of the conference, they'll ask people from different a- who who's representing, who works with nursery here, and all the nursery workers stand up, and the guy he'll exhort them, say, "Listen, it's important." He'll tell them why it's important to work with nursery workers, da, da, da. And so he gets the junior high school boys, and they stand up. He said, "Please don't quit. We'll pay you not to quit." <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm speaking to some people in the room right now. There's a
2: junior high school ministry with your name on it.
1: Don't think that you listen. You ain't even got to have a old deep theological discussion because everything goes back to Fortnite anyway. You can be talking about the you can be talking about some deep stuff. They're like, Yeah, like this one time on Fortnite. OK, let's bring it back. Let's bring it back. Right. There's some little ones that, that 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 need love and nurture on Sunday morning so that their parents can come in here and, 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 and they can learn social skills and things like that for just this hour or hour and a half, or sometimes I teach a little longer, these two hours
2: Sunday morning. There's some fifth graders who are always fun. No third graders are funner than fifth graders, trust me. That know everything. But need to know a little bit of what you think.
1: And what God says concerning it. That listen, parenting is hard. And these kids they 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 need sometimes they need a second opinion. I told y'all that last week. Right? You'd have been telling them that for 10 years. And Jody tell them, oh, it's the gospel now. Guess what? I was hanging out today, and guess what was told to me? And oh my goodness, it was so it was so life changing.
2: <laughs> but God gets the glory. And listen, I want to bring up a couple right now who uh, are over our children
1: who have a real life story of being in the second mile. Listen, some of y'all don't know, but like Darius was one of our students when we were youth pastors at that same church that we talked about before. He was he, he came in from uh, Louisiana, from Katrina. He was displaced. His family was displaced. They moved here. They came to our church. Me and him started hanging out at like a 16-year-old, and so we just invested. And life comes full circle. Now he's married. They got they got a prop with him. They moved back from Louisiana. Listen, stepping into the second mile, they didn't know where they they, they, they they had no context. They had no understanding of how they didn't have a place to stay, but they felt God said go. They stepped into it, and now they're leading our
2: kids. They're in the second mall with our kids.
1: And I want them to just share for a few moments about what that looks like. I'm going to uh, turn the microphone over to them. It's a micro- you got it? Good job. Um, it's really hard. I, I still see him as a 16-year-old. He's a grown man now. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're going to share with us for for, for a few moments. Um, and then we're going to take communion together as a church. And I'm going to come back and i close it up, okay?
3: So, um, first of all, happy Mother's Day, all all the mothers in the house. Uh, Yeah. I'll tell you what, I've always enjoyed Mother's Day, but after last year of witnessing what pregnancy can do to a woman (laughs) and labor, (laughs) happy Mother's Day, (laughs) y'all. For real. Fathers, we got it hard, too, but I'm telling you, mothers, y'all y'all do the work, so um, but yeah, like uh, like Pastor Sean was saying, uh, we first met in two thousand and five, I was in high school, sophomore in high school, like fifteen, something like that, and uh I was his favorite youth student in his whole youth group. I was the best one, his favorite one, uh but yeah, um he he did go the extra mile for us, and I, there's a lot of stories that I could share where. Even in that one year, I often talk about, you know, how that one year of my life was probably the most eventful, besides a a giant hurricane destroying the city, but um, it was probably the most eventful. Like, I can remember, um, we were talking just a couple weeks ago, she wanted my wife had a a desire for taco, uh, Taco Cabana, and I was like, you know, the last time I went to Taco Cabana, I was 16 years old with Pastor Sean. Like <laughs> that was the last time I've ever been, and so um, we didn't go that week either. Maybe we'll do that for Mother's Day. But um, <laughs> I'm just joking, y'all. Y'all know I'm a uh, I'm gonna cook up something nice, rubber feet, and all that good stuff. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, going going the extra mile. Um, moments, creating moments and memories that I'll never forget. Um, as a, I was blessed to be raised in a church environment where. Growing up, going to kids' church and obviously being a part of a youth group was the norm for me. I was blessed and fortunate to do that. And I can remember like lessons growing up as a kid. I remember being like, I think in the fifth grade and, and the the guy who was teaching about giving and being a cheerful giver and how God wants to bless you um, if you're a cheerful giver. And I remember thinking to myself, my, my mom gave me like 75 cents to give the church. Uh, for Kids Church, right? And so I remember thinking in my heart, no lie, this is going to sound silly, God, if what he's saying is true, I'm going to give this cheerfully, and I want to see the new Toy Story. Toy Story 2 that just came out. I kid you not, I gave that 75 cent, and my dad was like, you know what, we're going to go see Toy Story 2 today. I kid you not, man. And then I was like, Okay. I didn't remember the context. I don't remember the scripture. I don't remember none of that. But I know I gave and I believed in my heart. And we went and saw a toy store, so I know you need to give. But that being said, uh, we're going to pass offering. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) Yeah. um, But I I remember, uh, you know, silly illustrations of where they would take a dirty T-shirt and say, you know what? This is what sin is. And then dip it in bleach. Coming up, and it's all white. And you know, that's the grace of God. And it was cool at the moment, it looked like a science project at church, but uh, I also remember feeling the weight of sin and guilt and shame when I was 16 years old. And when I came to Austin, and thinking to myself, man, I don't know nobody, I don't have anybody to impress, but God, I really want to give you my heart. And really, for the first time, giving my heart. And I remember that t shirt, I felt like that t shirt, like all of my shame, all of my past. Washed away, all of that stuff recalled to me later on in life. But it started off because somebody decided on that particular Sunday, I'm going to go. I'm going to go the second mile. I'm going to invest my time into this knucklehead kid who probably isn't paying attention. (laughs) It may seem like he isn't listening, but God knew that seed was enough um, to bring me to where I am today. So now, my wife Brittany and I have the joy of going the second mile. here with the kids here and um and you know we believe we we believe fully that uh we're gonna see the fruit you're gonna see parents you might not understand it you might not see it sometimes when they're back talking you and you know you just want to knock all the teeth out of their mouth right um <laughs> But there's going to come a day when we're believing by faith that the seed that you deposited in them today and the seed that they're absorbing today when they come to church today, one day you're going to be able to say, like, wow, God's good. He's faithful, he's faithful and he's and he's, he's just. So that's a little bit from my. Okay. You want to preach, too? We're going to teach you about discipline. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'll let my wife share.
0: little bit less eloquent than my husband, but I had a very similar upbringing. Um,
3: You're elegant.
0: Hey. <laughs> uh, thanks, babe. <laughs> um, it, was, it was very important for uh, my parents to bring us siblings to church, and it had a profound impact on our lives. Um, you can see that today. We're, we're in church, and we're serving, and it's a joy for us. It's not like we have to. But um, I know for sure that if it wasn't for those experiences that we wouldn't be where we are right now. Um, You know, the Bible says train up a child in the way, in the the admonition of the Lord and they won't depart from it. And that is so true. And I've seen that um, manifest in my own life. You know, like when I was six years old, I'm realizing, you know, seeing her grow up and seeing her like kind of like come into her own and what she's learning and how smart she is at, at this age, at six years old. I remember I can, I can like, I don't have a terrible memory. You can ask my husband, but I remember this, like it was yesterday. I was six years old. It was a Sunday night service. And I remember whoever the preacher was that night, I think it was somebody special. Um, They were talking about the grace of God. And at six years old, I grasped what, what that meant and that he could save me and that I could live for him. And you know, then I'd go to heaven. I was, you know, like the, the very basic of, of what you grasp when you're that old. And I remember walking up to the altar with my dad and holding my hand and he, he kind of like praying the sinner's prayer with me. And I choosing that, not him, like trying to take me to the altar to like get saved. But like, I, I remember looking up at my dad and being like, I want to get saved. I want Jesus in my heart and saying those words. And he just, okay, let's go. And, Ever since then, it's just been kind of a wild ride. You know, we all have different stories, but, you know, growing up in children's ministry and with the sock puppets and the felt boards, cassette tapes, the big, I was actually very blessed to be raised in a very large church, so the resources were just insane. So they did it big for children's ministry. But um, so I know what it, I know what it looks like when you invest back into your children and. The product of that is people who serve the Lord and live their lives for the Lord. Now, we don't have it perfect, but we know what it means to to really honor God with our lives. And like I say, we definitely aren't perfect, but for sure, um, you know, even into my teen years, um, feeling like I had a calling on my life from for ministry, and just ever since then, just really trying to live my life for the Lord. But I remember a similar story that um, Darius shared. I had this brand new CD player, like the portable CD players, <laughs> like the Walkmans that were CD players.
3: The shock absorbent.
0: Yeah, it was, we it was walk like shiny black with like neon green buttons. And like they're really cool, like earphones that like fit on your ear and not the ones that went over your head. And I got it for my birthday And many of you probably don't know this, but I grew up and my father um, was injured when I was actually six years old. Funny that I was actually saved when I was six. Um, And he was unable to work for 14 years of my life. And um, I remember him always just telling me, like, God's going to heal me and he's going to perform a miracle in our lives and we're going to see that come to pass. And I remember just like the hearing a a sermon about sowing and reaping and what it meant to me as a teenager and how connecting how Jesus sacrificed for us so that we might have, um, life again. And it was a sermon I was in, I think I was 12 and I was in youth ministry. And I remember playing that CD player at the altar just because I wanted to give something of myself that meant a lot to me so that I could believe for healing for my dad. And, um, really cool thing, like years later, my dad did receive his healing, and he's completely whole today, and just as a young person, being able to believe that way, and someone taking the time to invest into me, and teach me the word, and how important it is for us to give back to our kids in that way, because it's monumental in your, in your life, and it will cause a ripple effect on and on for the rest of your life, and you, you will just, you'll never know until you keep walking that steady path. So don't think that the little things that you're doing for your children, and if it's not your children, it's your grandchildren or your niece and nephew, you are making a profound impact. Those just little seeds just cause these great big trees to grow in their lives later on. So that's that's what I have to share. <laughs> awesome.
3: Yeah. Um, that is awesome. Um, real quick, I just want to show... Um, Share a quick scripture in 2 Timothy um, chapter 3. And before we get to this point of scripture, just to kind of lay, you know, go read the whole chapter later. (laughs) But uh, basically, uh, Paul is telling Timothy, hey, look, there's going to come a time when your faith is going to be challenged. And it's going to be hard to stand for, to to live, uh, stand for righteousness and holiness. And he encourages him. And uh, do we have that scripture? Chapter, there we go. Chapter 12, it says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, and this is where I want you to pay attention here, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, talking about the scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And I think as I was like thinking in my heart, like what scripture could I really say that I, I can point to like as a source of motivation? That's it. Like Paul's telling Timothy, hey, remember what you learned in kids church? Remember what your grandma told you around the house? Like that's what our job is. Like, hey, we're going to put plague see seeds in you right now. And, you know, you might not always see the fruit. And I just want to encourage uh, the parents in the room, grandparents, even those of you who you say, you know, my kids are grown, but they may not be necessarily following the faith like you taught them. I just want you to to just encourage you and let you know that he is the Lord of the harvest. God is the Lord of the harvest, and he's going to be faithful. And we might not always see the fruit right away, but rest assured that God has a plan and he has a purpose. And if, he, and if the seed has been planted, God's going to be faithful to see it come to pass. So, um, yeah, that's all I have.
0: Thank you for listening. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us at
2: anycommunity.church.